Orange Pill Addicts podcast, episode number one at block height 712111, according to the Clark Moody's dashboard today. We are the Kansas City Bitcoin guys, or the KC Bitcoin guys, coming to you from the Kansas City Citadel. I am Brian, and this is Mitch and Don. Today, we are going to go over our Bitcoin story and why we love Bitcoin. So Mitch, what are our Bitcoin stats today? Yeah, so we got, like you said, turbo block height, 712,111. Uh, sats per dollar, we're looking at 1,711. Transactions in the mempool, we have 29,408 transactions. So it's going to cost you about 14 sats per vbyte to get into the next block. That's about a dollar and 15 cents. And last but not least, we've got a hash rate of around 157 exahash per second, which is very close to all-time highs uh, post-China ban. So that's the intro stats. We've got our open source project of the week, Blue Wallet. It is one of the most common mobile wallets out there for Bitcoin. It allows you to self-custody your Bitcoin, write down your seed phrase. Uh, It works with Lightning and is interoperable with a lot of node products out there. So if you're looking for a Bitcoin mobile wallet for yourself or an easy one to shill to friends and family, Blue Wallet is a really great place to start. Um, With that, I think we're going to do some quick intros. Uh, Like Turbo said, my name is Mitch, and uh, I'm based in Kansas City, Missouri, here at the Kansas City Citadel. And uh, I was born and raised here and got into Bitcoin kind of in like 2017, 18, a little bit, but I didn't really get it. And then COVID hit in 2020 and I got very into it and spent thousands of hours listening to podcasts and reading articles like probably all of the rest of you who are listening to this. Um, And that's pretty much it for me. I helped start the Bitcoin meetup group in Kansas City. Um, So if anyone listening is in the Kansas City area or passing through, we would love to have you swing by. You can check us out at kcbitcoiners.com.org.com, I think. Um, kcbitcoiners.com and swing by a meetup. Or if you're in another city and you want to start a meetup, reach out to us. We'll help you start a meetup. So that's all I got. I'm going to pass it on uh, to Brian. Yeah. So uh, my story really is I had heard a bit about Bitcoin. And then uh, Mitch texted me one day, said, uh, do you own any Bitcoin? <laughs> and uh, I said, no, should I? And so um, he sent me uh, a podcast and a What Bitcoin Did pos- podcast. And uh, the rest was kind of history. It took me about one or two podcasts to really realize that uh, this was the solution to the broken money problem that I already knew existed. Um and it kind of started as like a, a, you know, numbers go up sort of thing. Um, but, you know, the more the more I listened to, the more I was convinced that this was actually like the real deal and it was never going to zero. Um, so, yeah, it's been um, it's been just a constant experience of learning more every day, realizing the more I learn, the less I realize I don't know. <laughs> uh, now, really just trying to like help educate others on um why they need to see this as like um you know one of the 
the biggest innovations of our time, not just uh, a cool investment. So yeah, Don, what about you? Yeah, so I met you both, obviously, at the the meetup here about, I don't know, I guess it was back in April, maybe, kind of right before the, the Bitcoin conference uh, this year. Went out looking for a meetup in Kansas City, figured I would start my own, and then luckily ran into uh, to Mitchell, and he had just started one up. So we've kind of been growing that together ever since, and it's just been fun getting the, the city involved and seeing how many people here are, are becoming more interested in Bitcoin. Uh, so for me, I got intro to Bitcoin in 2016 by a software engineer friend of mine when I was um, working with uh, with Cerner. And like most people, got into it for the gains, the sick gains, and then uh, promptly got burned by going down the, the altcoin cryptocurrency rabbit hole. Um, so for me, 2018, 2019 was really a time of actually learning about what Bitcoin is and why it's important and why it encompasses so much more then just never go up. So have been involved for a few years now, but really since uh, COVID have made it, you know, kind of my full-time passion and now, and now job to just, you know, spending full, full-time energy and everything like that on, on Bitcoin. So excited to be doing the podcast with you guys. And I think um, what we're going to get into next is going to be what we're calling our hot take of the week. So for this week, the illustrious, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell gets the gets the nod for hot take of the week when he said that it's time to retire the word transitory for describing inflation. First of all, I think we all know at this point that Jerome and the Federal Reserve cannot be trusted. It's a complete clown show. Um, everything they say has to be taken with a huge grain of salt. And so the fact that they were ever calling inflation transitory in the first place was a bit of a joke. Uh, but to see him come out this week and say, basically capitulate and say that it's time to retire the word transitory when it comes to describing inflation was just, I mean, it just goes to show that the emperor is wearing no clothes and there's no way that inflation can be transitory when they print, you know, 40% of all dollars in existence in the last 18 months. So, um, it's kind of important for them to actually come out and say that, though, because typically they try to, you know, deceive everyone. And for them to actually come out with a straight face and say that it's no longer transitory um, gave everyone kind of a, a big jolt. And the markets uh, did not like that and, you know, proceeded to fall off the cliff there for a few days, um, as did Bitcoin. But um, it'll be interesting to see if they actually start raising rates soon or kind of what they're going to do to combat that that inflation. So, Jerome, congrats. You're our inaugural hot take of the week. <laughs> yeah, he's got the clown mask about fully on now. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> at least you got that nod for um, another four years as chairman. Right. Yeah, they got to keep that money printer in overdrive, man. Keep the burn going. <laughs> More clown takes to come for the next four years. Don't worry, y'all. Yeah, he's going for multiple awards on this show. Yep. <laughs> He'll be the first time multiple award winner. <laughs> yeah. All right. Kind of uh, moving into our, our next segment, we were going to do uh, bullish news of the week. Uh, for this week, we decided to talk about the El Salvador Bitcoin bond. So this was just announced recently. Um, El Salvador, as we all know, has made Bitcoin legal tender earlier this year, first uh, nation state in the world to do that. 
And they've gone a step further now, and they're actually going to float a uh, 10-year, $1 billion bond offering. And half of the money is going to be used to buy Bitcoin directly. And the other half is going to be used to build out infrastructure for a brand new city in El Salvador called Bitcoin City. So a couple thoughts on the bond. Um, they're floating it with a 6.5% coupon, which is higher than you know half of the world, if not more. Uh, most sovereign debt is either close to zero on the coupon and in some places it's even negative as in you know places in europe and things like that um and once you combine that with the inflation rate pretty much all sovereign debt is negative real yielding so the fact that they're having a six and a half percent coupon should be attractive to a lot of traditional bond investors uh, just because that's a higher coupon than they can get a lot of other places in the world um now to get to the really exciting part half of the proceeds, like I said, are going to be used to actually buy Bitcoin. And the cool part about the way they're structuring this bond is that after five years, any appreciation on that Bitcoin, a portion of it will be paid back to the bondholders in the forms of dividends. So this is really kind of an innovative, first of its kind product that will allow uh, bond investors to be able to basically get the upside of potential Bitcoin price appreciation while still having, you know, the bond structure wrapped up in a familiar uh, product. So pretty cool. Uh, I know, I think they, they mentioned they were going to use part of the infrastructure portion to build out some more of their mining infrastructure uh, on the volcano, <laughs> the volcano mining rig that they have set up there. Um, and then, you know, start building out the, the infrastructure for this new potential Bitcoin city. So I think it's a, it's a cool thing to see. I know this is a, will be the first one of, of many that they'll probably do. I've already heard talks of them, you know, having a, up to like five or 10 of these bonds if this first one goes well. So it'll be an interesting experiment to watch unfold over the next handful of years. Wow. Do you see yourself moving to Bitcoin City? So that's actually another cool part of the of the bond. I think if you invest a certain amount, I'm not sure what that threshold is, you actually can get like on a fast track to having a permanent residence uh, in El Salvador. So yeah, I mean, heck man, you're right next to the beach and there's no, uh, there's no tax. There's no, any of that kind of stuff. No employment tax, no payroll tax, no capital gains tax on Bitcoin. So sounds more and more appealing every day. Is it, uh, is it a Bitcoin or trap? That's a good question. I, uh, I'm not so sure I'd want to live in a city called Bitcoin city for <laughs> you know, just, obvious OPSEC reasons. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of doxed people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be a cool experiment. I mean, if it works, I can just imagine, you know, a couple three, four years from now, many other um, developing countries might follow that same playbook and just take a bunch, bunch more Bitcoin off the market. So, yeah. I mean, the cool part is this is like, that aspect of it is really like the sovereign individual thesis playing out of nation states competing and wanting to attract a certain, you know, kind of person uh, to build a city like that. Yeah. That's what that's, attracts me. I, I totally agree. I think even if Bitcoin city fails, this is still a really important thing because you're seeing the first kind of public displays that are Bitcoin associated of a nation state trying to attract people to its borders, 
with lower tax rates, which is literally the sovereign individual thesis playing out before our eyes. So even if Bitcoin City fails, it's just you're seeing the competition start to uh, to ramp up, which is really cool. I mean, especially with like, you know, the um, Powell clip that we talked about where he talks about get rid of the word uh, rid of the word transitory, you know, that he attacks that on Twitter, you know, like he's, he's actually, I think that's the kind of the cool part about him. I know he's controversial, but where he's actually willing to like go after these people. Um, and even with like the IMF attacking El Salvador's decision to make Bitcoin legal tender. And then what was it? It was like the bank of England came out this week, I think, and they're attacking it. Uh, so it's interesting to see these people like get scared and how the president like him or not, is actually willing to like, you know, kind of put his neck out there for it. So I think that's the the interesting part with it, really. Agreed. It's just the fact that someone's willing to go against the grain of these big, powerful entities, and it may or may not work out for him. He may or may not end up being a, a bad leader for that country. I don't know. But just the fact that you're starting to see that, I think, is really powerful if you zoom out. Yeah, don't be cucked by the politicians, but... I mean, all these all these developing countries historically have been kind of prisoners to the IMF for their their funding needs for their countries and prisoners to the dollar, too. Um, You know, El Salvador had legal tender of the dollar before they introduced Bitcoin alongside it, which just means that, you know, they're at the whims of of Jerome Powell and the Federal Reserve and whatever monetary policy decisions that the U.S. makes get imported to their country and they have no say about it. So now that there's this free open source alternative money that anybody in the world can plug into and use, there's now another option for these developing countries. And, um, you know, I think we're going to see more and more of them start taking advantage of it. For sure. Yeah, Yeah. it makes total sense. I mean, the demand for it, I'm assuming, is going to be super high. And they had MicroStrategy's bond wasn't exactly structured the same way, but it's kind of similar where if your firm isn't necessarily allowed to hold actual Bitcoin, you could get exposure this way. And so, I mean, MicroStrategy's was oversubscribed, so the demand's definitely out there. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, smaller countries like El Salvador, I think that's something like, you know, you hear Jack Mahler's talk about a lot where, um, you know, as you talked about El Salvador being on the dollar standard, well, when we print off these trillions of dollars like we've seen over the last however long, you know, a year and a half, two years, and going back further, um, we may benefit because we get those direct checks, even though we're ultimately hurt. But people in El Salvador are on the dollar standard, but don't get any of those dollars that are printed off. So it's just a huge plus for the country as they get to experience, you know, those, you know, short or, you know, the, the gains that we all see. They're also just getting a safer place to hold their, you know, their money. Yep. Yep. Totally. It's the cancel on effect on a global basis, basically. For sure. And it just kind of ties into, you know, the ever increasing financialization of Bitcoin, um, which, you know, has both good and bad aspects to it. You know, back in 2017 and earlier, it was mostly just a, a retail dominated space. And now, you know, we, we see corporates getting involved with MicroStrategy and Square and Tesla, et cetera. And now, I mean, to have the first nation state involved is just pretty crazy to think about how far Bitcoin has come over the last handful of years and where it might be 
you know, five years from now is pretty wild to think about. So, I mean, with that comes, comes pros and cons, you know, we don't want to lose the decentralized peer to peer, uh, aspect of Bitcoin, but at the same time, you know, if, if we do want Bitcoin to be the world reserve currency one day, um, you know, these are kind of the progressions that it has to go through to get there. 100%. So, uh, now we just kind of want to talk a little about uh, why Bitcoin's important to us as we uh, kick off this podcast. Um, you know, our goal is to educate others about Bitcoin and how Bitcoin ultimately enables self-sovereignty uh, in our lives. Um, so, Don, if you want to kind of kick off like what it is about Bitcoin that um, is important to you, kind of what it means to you. Yeah, I mean, so many things, I guess, to sum it up would just be the freedom that Bitcoin provides. So it provides you freedom to own your own money, spend your own money, and just be fully responsible for, you know, your livelihood, really. Bitcoin allows us to save our time and um, all the fruits of our labor in something that can't be debased by politicians and central bankers. And so really, at the end of the day, once you, you know, fully go down the rabbit hole and see that there's no other asset that can compete as far as a store of value and a way to save the fruits of your labor into the future, um, you'll come to see that, you know, Bitcoin is that thing. And once you see, once you realize that, you kind of start realizing all the other ways that uh, Bitcoin can impact the world and yourself in a good way. Uh, so for me personally, you know, the more I've got into Bitcoin, the more I've leaned into just, you know, being uh, responsible for everything in my own life. I mean, I've always been one that, um, you know, hasn't been a fan of handouts by the government or, you know, people wanting basically everything to be taken care of for them. Uh, so, I mean, with Bitcoin, there's there's no one there to basically provide a fallback if you do something wrong. Like if you send your Bitcoin to the wrong address, it's gone. Sorry. <laughs> if you don't know how to store it properly and you lose your private key, then, you know, you're out of luck. So I think it just, um, it takes that kind of thinking to the next level and you can apply that to your whole life. So I know for me, um, being in Bitcoin makes me more excited about the future, which makes me want to take care of myself better eat better, exercise more, uh, be more involved with my family and, and raising my daughters and things like that. And then um, also it just makes you kind of think about where and how uh, is best to, to spend your time. So for me, I don't see anything more important than Bitcoin to the world, especially where we are now. Uh, so I just want to spend all my time talking to people about it, trying to help as many people understand it as I can and um, hopefully kind of, you know, spread the good word. So for sure. Yeah. What about you, Mitch? I think Don nailed it. I mean, there's so many things as far as why I think Bitcoin is incredibly important, to, not just to me, but to humanity as a whole. Um, just the censorship resistant ability to make payments, a censorship resistant money um, is a huge thing. It's, I think, the purest form of property rights that exist. Because, I mean, even if you own a house at the end of the day, a government can claim eminent domain and take that from you. And there's not really anything you can do about that. But if you've got Bitcoin seed phrase stored in your head 
or you've got a multi-sig across, you know, different jurisdictions, there's not really much that they can do, um, especially at a wide scale if you have a lot of people who are storing Bitcoin like that. And I think that's a really powerful thing in a world where maybe in the U.S. we've been lucky to avoid um, some of the extremely horrible things that have happened in other nations. But uh, just to provide those people in kind of developing countries that have had huge issues with their governments, uh, just straight up stealing their property, um, for them to have an option to opt out is huge. Um, I also think just from the dilution proof standpoint, the fact that you can't debase Bitcoin beyond what it's already scheduled to debase itself, basically like beyond its emission schedule. It's the only, it's the only inelastic asset, basically. Like if you a hundred X the price of gold, the supply of gold is going to go way up. Like it's going to become profitable for miners to do that. If you 10 X the price of this chair that I'm sitting in, then you're going to sell a lot more of these chairs that you're going to increase the supply of these chairs a lot. If you a million X the price of Bitcoin, it doesn't matter. You can't create more of it. And uh, that's an incredibly powerful concept. I think Um, just the fact that you can store the output of your labor in something that is that sound and can't be debased is a a really powerful thing. Um, And then kind of going along with Don, I think, on a deeper level, it, it does lower your time preference, as Safedean would say. Um, it, it causes you to think more long-term. It causes you to, for me, I think it caused me to be like, all right, my whole life, I thought I kind of knew what money was a little bit. I've been using it, but I never really explored it deeply. And how could I have been that wrong about it? So what else am I like that wrong about? Because there's probably other things. Um, <laughs> So it's led, it leads you down that path of kind of personal responsibility, I guess, um, taking care of yourself from a, from like a monetary perspective and where you store your wealth and also just like a health perspective and who you hang out with and that kind of thing. So yeah, and it, just, uh, uh, it makes it clear how often we're lied to by the people <laughs> that we are growing up that we should, mm-hmm. you know, we're told we should trust. So, I mean, once you start looking into economics and politics and nutrition, all those things, you quickly come to realize that basically all of the so-called experts in those fields have been straight up lying to us our entire lives. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It just like, to me, I think it shows the power of like inertia of just like, you get this massive group of people who thinks this certain thing and it may or may not be true, but everyone believes it to be true. And it just becomes this dogma that everybody kind of believes. So yeah, uh, Bitcoin definitely got me to re-examine a lot of those things. And be like, If <laughs> they were this wrong about money and I like, I went back and like thought about what I was taught in like my macro econ class in college. I was like, yeah, they just basically taught me a bunch of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> like what else did I get taught that was total garbage, you know? Like, yeah. why would it just be limited to this? It's probably a lot of other things. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's funny how that works. I feel like I find something out every day where I'm like, this is a lie. Or it's funny even, you know, you read about something people believed 100 years ago about any given subject, and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. they're idiots, you know? Like, I'm glad we're so much smarter now. And then you realize, well, 
maybe maybe we're falling <laughs> for the same foolish things <laughs> yeah right it's like people once believed that the earth was flat and that was like accepted as truth and if you thought otherwise you'd be seen as like a lunatic yeah i mean it's this crazy person it's this idea of like chronological snobbery where you always think you're smarter than the people that came before you but yeah yeah um, i mean we have far from perfect information in this world today so we're still (laughs) wrong about a lot of things so i think having that uh i guess attitude of humbleness to understand that you don't know everything at all and you're probably like, I'm probably wrong about a lot of the things that I believe today. Um, so yeah. just trying to keep chasing down that truth. So for any addicts listening, make sure you're questioning everything. <laughs> know why you believe what you believe. <laughs> yep. Don't trust verify. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's mm-hmm. the Bitcoin motto. Yeah. Don't trust verify yep. everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so kind of a little about my story. I mean, it all matches with pretty much exactly what you guys said where, um, you know, I didn't really dabble in the altcoin scene except for maybe like a week. <laughs> but that's because it just, the second I heard about it, it really just fit inside my entire worldview. Um, you know, one of my favorite shows is Mad Men. <laughs> and watched it like three times. And, you know, I just remember watching it in college. Um, you know, they're in the 60s, 70s, and everything costs, you know, 100 times less. You know, he buys a car for $2,000. Uh, and I remember, you know, you're always just asking, like, wait, why? That doesn't make sense. Why is everything so much cheaper 50 years ago? Um, you know, I always asked why, but I never, I never really understood why, and I never took the time to figure it out. Um, so as soon as I heard, you know, about leaving the gold standard in 1971 and why our paper dollars are useless, um, it's really just by, you know, the government saying so. You know, that's what fiat money is by decree. You know, that's what it means. So as soon as I started kind of going down that rabbit hole, um, you know, that's kind of the fun thing about Bitcoin. It leads you down so many other rabbit holes um, that you just kind of randomly find yourself down. You know, we've been down like the what is energy rabbit hole now. You know, how does, how is energy produced? How does it get where it's supposed to go? Just all these things where I've taken them as fact, but I've never even taken a second to understand like how or why they work. Uh, And just Bitcoin kind of forces you to do that. The more you learn about it, it just always begs like the next question of, okay, why, why? Um, And so, you know, that's just kind of my story of, I knew there was a broken money, uh, but I didn't understand why. And so learning about Bitcoin meant I had to learn the answer to why on why is my money worth less? Um, And then, okay, who, who controls that money? Why have they been given this control? Obviously, like I think most people who get in the scene, like the Bitcoin standard was super influential to me of just like learning about the history of money and seashells and salt and silver and gold uh truly kind of just connect some of those dots in my head that i was learning um and so you know now it's just like the more i learn about it, the more you realize like uh what a sound monetary um network really means for the world uh you know we see a lot of these problems where 
we um, were in this problem because governments have been able to control the money and cause a lot of problems that wouldn't have been there otherwise. Uh, so I don't think we'll be in a perfect world on a Bitcoin standard, but I think we're going to be in a better one where at least uh, governments have way less control uh, in what they're allowed to do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as I learned it also just learning how like it banked the unbanked, like in El Salvador, where 70% of the country couldn't have access to a bank account. And now they have somewhere they can store their time and their energy. Uh, and just, you know, the more I learn, the more I'm really kind of amazed at um, what this really offers the world. So, yeah. Do you guys, uh, do you guys have any other th- um, things you want to end on? It's an exciting time to be alive. I think uh, as we watch the, the Bitcoin standard era being ushered in over the rest of our lives, I think we'll, you know, we'll leave the world a much better place for our kids and our grandkids um, than it is today. So it's an exciting time to be alive and watch all the changes happen. And hopefully we'll be able to help, you know, as many people as we can kind of get on the right side of, of history here. Yep. It's truly an amazing time to be alive, to watch all of this play out and even play a very small part in helping onboard people to it. For sure. All right. Well... Uh, like we said, um, we've got the Kansas City Bitcoin meetup uh, going about every two weeks. Um, going to have some pretty like good presentations coming up and some good people uh, flying into Kansas City for that. So if you are in the Kansas City area, uh, do your best to check that out. If you're outside the area, come visit. Uh, Bitcoiners are just kind of like a big family. So you are more than welcome here. Uh, do you guys want to give out your information real quick on, uh, where people can find you? Yeah. So on Twitter, you can find me. I'm Don. Uh, my Twitter handler handle is KC underscore HODL. So H O D L. And I am Mitch on Twitter. That's at witty username 30. Awesome. And I am Brian. And on Twitter, that is at turbo HODL. Turbo. so once again we are the casey bitcoin guys and we will see you next time peace